is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room No space to rent in this town You're out of luck And the reason that you had to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere You thought you'd found a friend To take you out of this place Someone you can lend a hand In return for grace It's a beautiful day Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another podcast of 10 Minutes with the Master Enchilada Roller, Russell Ibarra. My guest today is Mr. Joel Perkins, Senor Joel Perkins. And uh, I've actually interviewed Joel in the past, but uh, today's a very special day. Today is Friday, July 24th, 2020. And uh, there's, it's a special, special anniversary. So, Joel, what is today? Well, today is the anniversary of the opening of Gringo's Fuquay, which was uh, my first restaurant to open as a franchisee for you, Russell. Which was 20 years ago. 20 I years ago. I can't believe it. It flew. It definitely flew. And it's also uh, a special date for me also because uh, it showed that, not only for you, but uh, it, it, show, it allowed me to graduate to a new level of business and uh, in the area of business de- development and business relationships because, you know, life is a test and, you, and you're, everyone's at a different level and what you're trying to do is mature and graduate to the next level. And in business, uh, relationships are very important. But um, so, Joel, obviously this has been an incredible journey over the last 20 years. Um, there's so many milestones within 20 and even before then. But um, I want to ask you some questions. Because obviously, um, uh, business is a lot like a marriage. I'm not married to you, but we are in so many different ways. Um, True. But I want to ask you: um, Did you ever think you would own a restaurant? Let's start there. I don't think I did. Uh, I think I dreamed of owning something eventually, but no, I, I never, never thought I would. Now you had actually thought about leaving the restaurant industry. Uh, after leaving Pappas, and I don't know how much uh, whoever's listening to this podcast already knows of your story, so we may have to backtrack, because I do want people to get a good uh, picture of what we're talking about. So the way Joel and I met was through my wife. My wife taught his uh, younger daughter, Lindsay, kindergarten way back in the early 90s. Yes. And uh, my wife would come home and tell me that, yeah, one of my students, her dad is the GM of Papacito's. And this is when, um, this would have been, let's see, right when I opened Gringo's Pearland. So at that seed had already been planted, knowing that Monica's one of her students, her dad, his dad, her dad was the GM of Pabacito. So uh, when I started developing the second location, um, I was looking for a general manager. And I've always admired the Pappas restaurant chain. They've done a fantastic job all these years, and, and uh, they're, they're a premier operator in the Houston market. And beyond, but uh, always told myself I've had any hope of being anything like Pappas as far as operationally. Um, I had one or two choices, go work for him or hire someone that worked for him. So my goal was to always hire someone that used to work for him. 
and that's where Joel came in the picture. But Joel had left uh, Pabacitos, and um, and I didn't know why, but uh, he was actually working at the Kima Cantina, and our family tortilla factory, El Matador Foods, was delivering product to the store, and my cousin Chuck actually made a delivery and told Joel, hey, my cousin Russell was looking for a general manager to run the second Gringos in Laporte and Underwood and Spencer. So that's kind of how Joel and I um, hooked up. And, and we, um, I actually interviewed Joel five different times. And I kept putting off hiring him because I didn't have the money to bring him on to. So I only had the one restaurant. And it was only doing like 30000 a week at the time. But anyway, so uh, Joel made the decision to come on board. And during one of the interviews, uh, it's probably one of the last ones because he was probably frustrated that I wouldn't say, hey, you're hired. Uh, was um, He told me, Russell, if you hire me, I will run that restaurant as if I owned it myself. And as they say, the, the rest is history because you opened the first door uh, on, in, on Fuquay. And um, that particular location, do you remember uh, the date we went there to look at it? Because it was a restaurant that was called My Amigos and it was one of El Matador's customers. And again, Chuck knew the owner, so Chuck would communicate for us. And his name was Jesse DeLeon, and he was an importer of Mexican curios. So uh, we, we went to the restaurant one evening to check it out. Do you remember that night? I do. I, I don't remember the exact date. I know it took us about 90 days to renovate that restaurant, which, it was, it was, which is uh, a miracle. It was April the 17th. <laughs> it was April the 17th of the th- Thursday night, 2000. So you can go back and check the calendar. And so uh, we 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 had dinner that night. They weren't busy at all. And both Joel and I were looking around as we were sitting there in the dining rooms, telling ourselves, "All it needs is a little paint." And now that's a running (laughs) joke. Anytime we start a new project, because it may seem like a small project, but it turns into a major one. So we uh, we worked a deal with Jesse uh, to buy his business and assume the lease. And um, uh, what did we pay for it? What do, what do we pay to get uh, Jesse out of the lease? $250,000. Okay, and we put another two hundred into the remodel and maybe a little more. I know um, I financed the deal for you, so you yes. had a note with me for 450000 which I believe was paid off within a year and a half, maybe at the most. Pretty quick. It was real quick. But some of the major remodel that we did there was uh, the restrooms. We completely redid the restrooms. Yes. And uh, we did some. Uh, we put some drains in the kitchen. Do you remember those drains? Oh, yeah, the trench drains? Yeah, the trench drains. Do you remember what happened? <laughs> I do. So yeah. w- one morning, uh, we, uh, we were, they had the regular round just floor drains throughout the kitchen, and we like trench drains when we close up to wash down the floor. It's easy to drain water. And so we were installing, I don't know, six or seven of them throughout the kitchen, and we get red flagged by the city of Houston, and we're basically shut down that morning. And my good friend uh, Davis Wilson, the architect, uh, his wife runs a... Uh, a permitting uh, company called All Texas Permits. And so I called Davis and said, hey, uh, we got red tagged on these floor drains. Is there anything you can do to help us out? And he said, well, fax me over a layout of the kitchen and the dimensions and show them where all the trench drains are at. And um, how long did it take us to uh, get back in business? I think it was the same day. That same afternoon, which is unheard of. Once you get red tagged by... It's crazy. Uh, yeah, once you get red tagged by any inspector... In any city, uh, you're looking at weeks, if not months, to get back on board to start your work again. But we were actually back in business that same afternoon, and that goes back to the importance of um, of developing strong relationships. relationships uh, definitely. Wow. So let me ask you. Um, so that's kind of how we got started, and and again, we um, we opened 
less than 90 days later. It was July 24th, 20 yes. years ago today. Yes. And, um, and that was, I mean, uh, I remember when we opened. We weren't that busy. We opened on a Monday. And we, it was a quiet opening, but almost too quiet because no one knew we were open. And we were a little concerned. But that weekend, share, share what happened that weekend. Well, we opened up uh, dinners only. So we could, uh, you know, re, uh, refresh in the morning and, and uh, do some more training. Monday nights came. Tuesday night, very slow. Wednesday night, slow. Thursday. And, uh, and then you came to the restaurant. And I remember we sat over in the bar area. And we were just talking about uh, business and what we should do. And, and uh, you said, you know what? I think you should just open lunch and dinner. Start tomorrow, which was a Friday uh, which is when everybody gets, you know, they're off of work, and uh, we got slammed. And uh, Dos Caballos, Hugo Oliveira, was working for you that night and um, helping out. Uh, Hugo's opened up all our stores, I believe, just about all of them. And um, obviously he was under a lot of pressure. Everyone was, but um, he had, I guess you had, the frustration had built up, and you had said something to him in the kitchen. And Oh, my goodness. And what did he tell you? <laughs> well, uh, he is uh, just incredible in the restaurants, and the, the guy does produce more than just about anybody and works harder than anybody. Uh, and he was in the kitchen and, and kind of helping uh, get the plates out, and I was on the uh, expo table pulling the plates, checking the plates. And we got so behind at one point uh, that I just got so frustrated, felt my chest tighten up, and uh, I, I really thought I was about to lose my mind, and I raised my voice and said something uh, that really, really upset Ugo, you know, and, and he just looked at me and said, Joel? I said, yes, Ugo. You want me to leave? I said, no, I don't. Please don't leave right now. He said, then you need to calm down. There and no, I did. There's nothing like the pressure <laughs> of a kitchen meltdown. There's, oh. not, there's nothing worse. When you see tickets being printed, food building up, nothing's going out of the kitchen it's just one big mess and uh, it can be very very stressful so let me ask you you were you obviously you were an employee most of your life what's been the biggest surprise to you being an owner of a restaurant the biggest surprise um obviously uh, being responsible for taxes property taxes income taxes sales tax liquor tax all kinds of taxes well that's that's probably uh the best point is that you don't realize how much of each dollar goes out that comes in the door. And I know a lot of people look at the restaurants, they see it packed, they see the cars, they see the weight, and they go, man, they're making a killing. I want to get in the restaurant business. <laughs> and they don't realize that about uh, three cents on the dollar sometimes is, is what's kept in most restaurants. And if you're lucky, you might get uh, 10 cents out of it. Uh, so, it, yeah, that was an eye-opener for sure. I always like to tell people, if you want to make a million dollars in the restaurant business, start off with two. <laughs> And once you lose a million, sell and get out. So, <laughs> Great point. You know, a lot of people obviously dream of owning their own business. But uh, if you could give someone one bit of advice, let's say restaurants, uh, what would it be? I mean, obviously, uh, you are a GM, so that was a big help. You already understood the industry and your wife understood the schedule and all. But uh, uh, apart from that, is there any other advice you would give someone for going into the restaurant business? A restaurant business? Well, obviously, it's, it's a people and product so like you said, uh, you, you've got to understand the operations end of it. Uh, but a big component is people. 
And Marcus Lemonis, yes, Marcus Marcus Lemonis talks about the three P's. Yes, people, uh, product, and process. Yes, and yeah, I mean, it, it, all of them have to hit uh, in order to have a successful business. And um, I, I remember when we opened up Laporte, you um, you were impressed with our systems at that time. Obviously, they've evolved and they've gotten a lot better over the years. But uh, I was always um, happy to hear uh, the compliment from you because you had worked in that environment where it was all about systems and procedures. Yeah, Pappas was incredible. Uh, may I ask you a question? Sure. So uh, I started in the restaurant business in 1984. When I came to work for you, it was in 1996. Had a lot of experience with Pappas. Right, 12 years. Yes. And uh, so I worked for you for four years before I became a franchisee. Right. Um, why did you the fact that you gave me this opportunity is is unique um, it's unusual you don't see it out there a lot I mean there are a lot of restaurants that franchise but our situation is unique so why did you even ever consider giving me the opportunity to franchise for you I believe there was a few reasons. Uh, there wasn't any one specific, but one of them was um, I saw your uh, your your family situation. You had four daughters, and the youngest was what two or three. I mean, she was just born, mm-hmm. I believe. And so I knew there was a a financial uh, component or um, stress that you would have moving forward with your family, and that you needed to make more money. Um, and I. I don't want to say you were capped off with me in terms of where we're at, but, you know, you were close to it. You were making a great salary, but I wanted you to make more, but I wanted you to make more, meaning you go out and earn it. And so uh, that opportunity came available with Fuquay. But also, um, you know, I could tell people that all day long that you don't know what it's like to sit in the, the chair of an owner. Um, I could tell them to I'm blue in the face, but... Uh, until you actually experience it, it's cla- I'm glad to have someone else such as yourself telling others what I would tell them because they can now actually believe it more because uh, you actually first worked as a manager or a general manager. So you had a, exactly. a, different, a, a good or different perspective uh, moving forward. But that was one of the reasons. Plus, um, uh, at the time also, because this was a property that was leased, uh, we were not able to purchase it, but it's a fantastic lease. Um, it, it, there's no percentage clause yes and so um i believe your your um occupancy cost for that property rent only is less than two percent it's very low yeah and you know most restaurants are between six and ten yes so it's it's been a great uh profit maker for the company for you and um but the question i wanted to ask you another question i wanted to ask you was uh, obviously uh, i helped you with the first location but what drove you to open up the second, third, fourth, and fifth location? Uh, well, uh, obviously, the this, this success of uh, Fuquay. Uh, and uh, once we actually uh, opened a restaurant together in San Antonio, that was the first time that I had to trust others to run the restaurant uh, while I was outside the restaurant doing other things, opening a second restaurant. And then I, I began to see that it gave others opportunities and I thought, you know what? I think we can duplicate this. And so we began to give other people opportunities. And uh, we actually moved on the north side of Houston. And there was not a Gringo's there. And I thought it was a great opportunity to, to open one there. And, and that's the beauty of what I did for you in terms of offering you the first door, your first door. 
you took it to a different level because you did go to a different bar town that we were not in, and as a result, help spread the name of Gringos throughout the entire market of Houston. And so it's been very beneficial uh, for both of us. Um, you know, as, as a franchisee, we provide, or a franchisor, we provide a lot to you, the franchisee, in support of marketing and, and everything else. And, yes. and, um, and so uh, you've, got, you've received great value there. And, and you actually have a great, um, your first store had a great uh, royalty rate. I don't, I don't want to tell people what it is, cause, but it's great. <laughs> and you would agree, I'm sure. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I've never, I've never looked back in terms of saying, oh, man, I should have done this, I should have done that, because I don't think that's the way you move forward. You can't move forward by looking back all the time. So I never have. But I do want to ask you a question, because this is um, a very important one, because I know I've faced it before. And, you know, like, like I said earlier, a business is all about uh, developing and maintain, maintaining relevant relationships with people. And, um, and most of the time we spend, we spend most of our time with our senior team members. And uh, there was one in particular a while back, and I was, um, I was intrigued witnessing everything about it because I knew when you let this one individual go and you go, you, you terminated him. Um, um, and you can mention his name if you want, if you feel comfortable, but I could tell that you were not pleased with how it went and you made a, a, a real effort to go back and mend that relationship. You reached out and kept reaching out to where y'all solidified it. And y'all are actually best friends today. Our great friends yes, today. Right. And uh, I thought that was admirable because a lot of people wouldn't do that. Uh, it bothered you enough to where you did it. Uh, I know that uh, I have always, uh, if I feel that a relationship of mine went south, I would do everything within my means or power to correct it and then continue moving forward. But that's all you can do as an individual. But uh, you extended the olive branch. He grabbed it. And again, y'all are now friends. But it wasn't that way when it, when it first went down. No, it wasn't, and uh, those are probably the, the toughest decisions as an owner, as uh, operations manager uh, that you have to make is uh, we, we do build relationships with our team, and we travel together. Yeah, they're, we, they're, they become family. They more, become, yeah. yeah, family, and when th- something happens in their family, we get involved and vice versa, and, and uh, you know, it becomes a very, a very close friendship along with your working relationship, and uh, I'd made a decision and you're right. It did. It didn't go as I hoped, and uh, understandably so. Uh, I look back on it now, and I've learned a lot from it as well. But uh, it took, uh, I think, about 18 months of me reaching out, and I just didn't have a peace in my in my heart about the whole situation. Just to continue to reach out to this individual, and uh, today, uh, in fact, I sent him a text last night. I was going through some pictures. Uh, thinking about the 20 year anniversary and ran across one uh, of him and sent it to him and he just happened to be driving by my subdivision entrance at the time and you know I don't think that's a coincidence you know I really believe that um, the effort the time and effort you put into hiring a person uh, is the same effort you should put into terminating a person Um, because we had a situation uh, with our CFO that we had to that been with us uh, over 10 years and we, uh, he had kind of outgrown his position uh, or his ability, should I say. And so we had to make a change. And it was a difficult one to make, but we did it in a way that um, each stage of the way, it, it, 
we did not insult him, make him feel bad. And actually today he's a Mexican food restaurant operator and, and he's happy and we're happy and we're best friends. And, and like he told me the other day, there's two people that, that their money is no good in his restaurant and it's me and his dad. And so, um, that meant a lot, but, uh, <laughs> You know that that was. He a hasn't situ- told me that. <laughs> that was a situation where it could have gone south too. But again, um, I really uh, always think about. I always try to put myself in their shoes, um, and when you do that, I think you can you can move on with your life in a in a in a with a clear conscience, and that's what you want at the end of the day. So you can go home and sleep. I like to sleep. I do too. And you've you've set a great example in that uh, throughout this whole process of me working for you. So I appreciate that. Any regrets um, that you can think of over the last 20 years that you wish, dang it, I wish I had done that, or I wish I hadn't done that? Uh, just in the restaurant business, uh, or <laughs> I'm sure. Mainly, the, mainly the restaurant <laughs> business, yeah. Um, well, obviously, uh, there's been some struggles with certain locations, and uh, I think I rushed a decision and and had plans for a different restaurant and tried to slide one in before I did the, the second one. You know, and it's been a challenge, but but I've learned a lot from it as well. Yeah, there's a saying that success is a terrible teacher because it gives you the illusion you can do no wrong. You know, going into a, a situation too overconfident can can backfire. And I've done the same thing. Yes. And I know when we opened up San Antonio, um, I had second thoughts. Uh, even at the day we were signing the papers at the lawyer's office in, in San Antonio, I called my brother and I said, hey, come follow me. So we went to the men's room and I just said, hey. My gut's telling me not to do it. You know, what are, what are your thoughts and this and that? He said, oh, man, just do it. It's just good. It's a work. And, you know, we kind of had second thoughts. It was the market. We were not in the right spot in San Antonio. Right. I wish we had picked a better location. But location is important. Uh, and the, you know, location, location, location. You always hear that. And it's so true. But today, um, what's more important today than anything is making sure that there's plenty of synergy wherever your restaurant's located. You cannot be an island to yourself because you don't have that drawing power. You just don't. Even if you have a great true. name, sometimes it's hard to pull enough people Very toward true. your direction to, to patronize you. So, yeah, anytime you can get near other businesses, and obviously getting near a Chick-fil-A is a great idea because they draw so much traffic. Yes, it is. Um, a question I wanted to ask you, too, because um, obviously uh, you are a person of faith. You are a Christian. And uh, one of the things I've always admired about you is that you've never wore your Christianity on your sleeve. You know, you're not the kind of guy that goes around and says, you know, Jesus this, Jesus that, or Jesus told me this, I spoke to God, or whatever. You know, there's people that do that, and when they when they do that, flags go up around me. And you've never done that. Is there any reason why? I mean, I appreciate it, and I think it's done you well, uh, but you've never wore it on your, on your sleeve. You never have. But, you, but everyone knows you are a Christian. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I was just actually reading... Uh the Bible this week, and it was talking about humility as you know, that we should be humble. And uh, I think that when people do that, that they uh, run people off, that they offend people, that they uh, irritate. So to me, I would rather them know that through my actions exactly, and the way that I treat people, uh, the way that I respond to someone, if I'm listening to them, uh, genuinely listening and caring about what they're saying, uh, that they will know that I am a Christian and, uh, you know, by, by my actions. Right. So. Actions will always speak louder, much louder than words. And, and um, yeah, so today, I mean, not today, but last week, last Friday, 
we uh, we we uh, buried a team member, mm-hmm. um, which was very sad. He, uh, one of our managers passed away. Uh, but anyway, um, this COVID, this coronavirus thing, has really changed. It's, it's rattled our entire industry, and where it's going, I don't know. We've we've kind of fared through it pretty well. Thank God, there's no wood to knock on around here. But um, mm-hmm. um, what 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 has been the biggest uh, challenge you've seen so far during this whole pandemic uh, situation? Uh, it's just the ever changing rules and guidelines, and uh, a, a kind of a picture that I was thinking of. It's it's kind of like uh, the last play of the game, and and they're trying to you know the football team's trying to score, and they're running all over the field, just doing the lateral and trying to keep the ball alive. I kind of feel like that's what we're doing now. Is once we get headed in a direction and we feel good about it, then the rules change, and so uh, we're not set up to be primarily to go, but we had to go what 80 percent uh 100 percent to go and then now we're 50 percent to go and so it's it's just the challenge of training and uh executing on a high level uh and then changing it from day to day for masks and you name it and then keeping everybody's spirits up about it uh so it that's that's been the biggest challenge but i'm i'm gonna tell you that I'm very proud of, of Gringos, Jimmy Changas, the, the corporate teams that have worked together, and our managers and our team members, they've come together. And uh, we have done well during the pandemic. Uh, we're, you know, sales are down, but minutely compared to others. Right. And so I think it's the spirit of the company, the culture, the teamwork, and uh, it's been phenomenal to watch. Well, the best thing that's come out of this pandemic for us, for our industry, is the alcohol to go. Uh, it's a huge component. It's a huge uh, profit maker for us. But, uh, man, it's something that we've always wanted to do, but it's just never been on the table because there was no reason to put it there from the from the state level. But now that it's there, I believe it's going to stay there. And uh, that's the best thing to come out of this whole thing for us as an industry is that we're now able to sell alcohol to go, um, hard spirits to go. It saved us. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, uh, man. That and, and I know that the state obviously needs the 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 sales because they get the taxes from it they make um 14 percent off every dollar sold in alcohol mm-hmm. which is a tremendous amount of money well um i know we could actually go on and on is there any other questions you may want or any comments you want to make before we close this out uh any questions you want to ask me um, well i know that uh back kind of back to the original question i asked there there again i pinch myself daily uh i know that You've mentioned it before, but occasionally I will message you and just just to tell you how much I appreciate uh, the opportunity that that I've that you've given me. Uh, I know there was a lot of opposition at the beginning to even sharing this kind of an opportunity, and I know that how I think sometimes of of the risk of being in a partnership with someone. Uh, you read about all kinds of partnerships that go south. Uh, so there are all those th- thoughts and and uh, philosophies. I still uh, just find it amazing that early on you were willing to take that risk. Well, I think, again, it goes back to, and I I mentioned this before, probably in the other podcast, but our lives intersected at the right time. And meaning you had gone through your trials and tribulations, being demoted at Pappas and ready to get out of the industry, working at the Kima Cantina Ready to get, just ready to get out completely, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had already failed um, so many times at so many different businesses that failure became to feel began to feel normal, 
and I was desperate to find something that was going to work, you were probably at that same point. And again, our lives just intersect. So we have a certain appreciation for one another that uh, is rare to get to in a relationship uh, because most people come come in at different levels. But I think we came in at the right kind of level for each of us. And I think that's the reason why uh it's it's worked and and it's going to continue working from here on out ever i I don't i don't know what you could do or i could do that would upset us because anything we if something does come up we always work it out we always talk about it quickly it's not a big deal i mean uh you know uh but yeah it's it's been it's been a a great ride and and um you know i've I've always said i'm proud to call you a franchise partner but really I'm, i'm really more proud to call you a friend and i mean that and, appreciate um, that. I think uh, you know this has been twenty twenty something minutes already on this podcast. I know we could go on because um, uh, it's it's just a special journey. But there'll be some other milestones we'll talk about a little later. But uh, we need to go out and celebrate with a margarita. Are you ready for a margarita? Oh yeah. Let me, let, let me close with this. Uh, you, you've taught me a lot while I've been working with you. Your generosity is second to none. Uh, we all know that uh, you know, people talk about self made millionaires and self-made this and that and the truth is it it takes so many people you know to contribute to anyone's success and you've taught me that as well to share the success of the company with those that make it happen on a daily basis and uh, you've been beyond generous to me and my family to team members uh, just like the recent team member that passed away taking care of their funeral expenses and doing some support uh you know, it, you've inspired me, and uh, I just I appreciate that. Uh, you're you're second to none when it comes to those types of things, and I, I just appreciate our relationship, our friendship, and I still can't believe that I'm sitting here 20 years later. Man, it flew after opening Gringos Fuquay. It flew, but anyway, well, thank you, Joel, for you. for joining me, and uh, I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Thank you, Derek, for putting it up. And if you enjoyed it, uh, let me know. Um, my email address is russell at gringostexmex.com. That's two S's and two L's. And uh, I'll see you on the next one. Y'all take care. Bye.